Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Surianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Block Belt, and I'm the editor in chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. Taekwondo Life Magazine is a member of the Believe Sports Network. Do you believe? Believe is the number one sports and podcast network for professionals. Today, we are going to be talking about a couple of things, but the number one thing we're going to be doing is wrapping up the 2020 Tokyo Olympics from a Taekwondo standpoint that happened in in Tokyo, Japan. The uh, Olympics, we covered for the entire two years prior to the Olympics, we covered it quite seriously. Everything from the plans to uh, proceed to the um, postponement to the testing protocols to the qualification to the no spectator decision all the way through the the medals. The actual Tokyo Taekwondo event for the Olympics took place July 24th to 27th. So actually... Uh, essentially a month ago. It's hard to believe, but the Tokyo Olympics have been in the books for about a month. And that is the subject of today's show. Before getting into that topic, I wanted to talk to you about our sponsor, Bet Online. If you are into the sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures uh, for who you think will win a championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. We are getting deep into the summer, and that means football season's around the corner, and there'll be a lot to bet on at Bet Online. I want you to visit uh, their website today or use your mobile device to join to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. That's bet online. Now, I wanted to take a moment in today's show to do an honorarium, a memorial to somebody. Uh, to some degree, it relates to today's program because the gentleman is a great, was a great martial artist from Japan. Um, much of what we talked about in the postponement of the uh, uh, Tokyo Olympics. And much of what we talked about in terms of the spectator situation was the fact that Japan was very behind the curve uh, for the vaccinations. Uh, 30 days out or 35 days out when we did our program, 45 days out, there were only 5% of the population had been vaccinated and they had only approved the Pfizer vaccine. Well, Sonny Chiba, the great martial artist and movie star, and I say martial artist because he wasn't just an action star. Uh, Sonny was a true martial artist. He was a black belt in multiple styles, karate being his uh, primary martial art. But he was also a athlete. He was a potential Olympic gymnast, uh, very appropriate to what we're talking about. Um, he was a weightlifter. Um, he was, for many who don't know him, he was to some degree Japan's answer to Bruce Lee a different style, um, but his films were gritty. Uh, his most famous film historically was The Street Fighter from 74, 75. If you check that film out, that film is for its time, very bold, very gritty. That 
film was so violent for the time that when it came to the United States, it was rated X, right? Something that people normally uh, think is reserved for pornography, but it's also reserved for extreme violence. Um, and the Street Fighter was considered so bloody and so grisly that it had a, an X rating when it came to the United States. Sonny Chiba, uh, unlike Bruce Lee, whose life was very short, Sonny Chiba had a long career. He did over 130 movies, many that were very well known. And uh, Quentin Tarantino was such a huge uh, fan of his. If you go back to the movie uh, True Romance, which was written by Quentin Tarantino, Christian uh, Slayton Slater's character is actually in the beginning part of that movie, in the movie theater, when he meets Patricia Arquette watching Sonny Chiba in The Street Fighter. But he was such a big fan of Sonny Chiba that he revitalized and revived his career uh, and paid homage to his career by making him Hansuro Hanzi in the Kill Bill series, uh, a truly memorable role, uh, a role that many people may who never knew Sonny Chiba uh, may have known him for. But he, he at 82 years old, he got the coronavirus. He was unvaccinated. Um, it went to his lungs. He fought for the better part of a month and he passed away earlier last week and we pay great homage and respect to the legacy of Sonny Chiba. His movie, The Street Fighter, is often listed as one of the five or 10 most influential martial arts films ever made, even to this date. So let's get back into the topic at hand, which is the Olympics and the Tokyo Olympics. So as we said, they took place. Um, there were some countries as expected. There were some athletes that did not attend. There was a lot of confusion at the beginning, quarantines. I think the Croatian team uh, had some members that tested positive. So um, there was some confusion, but it seems that all in all, as it relates to the issues of coronavirus and it relates to pandemic issues, that the IOC and the organizing committee and the government of Japan and the government of Tokyo did a very good job. There were 131 or so athletes competing for that period of time, obviously in men's uh, events and women's events. Um, there were four, uh, eight weight categories, I apologize. And we had the various qualifying athletes from various countries that appeared, some quite um, historically, like Paige McPherson, who broke a record by appearing as the third time ever, first time ever that a woman um, appeared at the Olympics three times for the United States. Anna Zalotic, who made her first Olympic debut at age 18. And of course, Korea, who had the favorite son, who was believed to be the single best person fighting in the Olympics, going for a gold medal. Um, I watched the entire Olympics to the extent that I could as it relates to Taekwondo. I will tell you that there was a lot of criticism in 2016 over the PSS system, over the scoring system, over animal kicks, monkey kicks, scorpion kicks. The quality of the fighting, the quality of the officiating was certainly far and away better than it was in 2016. Uh, while there may be criticism still of the PSS system, the game was faster, the game was fairer, and I believe that it was certainly uh, far more exciting to watch than 2016. And certainly, while there has been criticism, it is certainly less susceptible to criticism. 
the results of the Olympics were quite uncanny. They were quite astounding. They sent shockwaves around the world. There has been much written and much said about it. One of the number one things that has been commented on is that South Korea, for the first time ever, did not receive a gold medal. Uh, Dehan Lee got a bronze medal, I believe. They had a total of three medals, two bronze, one silver, and no gold medals. So all of these interesting articles about whether or not the dominance of Korean players, whether or not the dominance of South Korea for Taekwondo and for Olympic Taekwondo um, have been written. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure that anyone knows the answer to that. Uh, I think that one of the issues is, is, of course, that Korea's goal was to globalize Taekwondo. And, that, and we'll talk about how that's happened. Um, but the other answer to that is that many of the top Korean coaches, top Korean masters, through either the Kukiwans uh, Global Masters Program, through the WT, or simply through business, have been disseminated and dispatched all around the world. I, you know, in the United States, uh, the Olympics is still an amateur game. When I say amateur, it means that we don't get paid. Um, our coaches don't get paid. Our, our athletes don't get paid. Uh, it's a labor of volunteerism and love. And But in places like China it is a, and Russia, it is a paid endeavor. And my understanding is that China had paid a lot of money for top South Korean coaches to come to China to train their athletes. And as a result, the result was that they were the top medal winner for Olympic Taekwondo, uh, two gold, one silver, one bronze. Um, so yes, there's been a change, but to some degree, that was always the global vision of South Korea. South Korea worked, uh, Dr. Onyong Kim and the people that worked in Grandmaster Wage Park when they made Taekwondo an Olympic sport, the idea was to take it out of Korea, not to uh, have it be a global sport of which Korea always dominated. At least that's the way I view it. Um, that would have been kind of crazy, right? It was a Korean influenced sport. It still is. You go anywhere in the world into a dojang, a Korean flag is hanging. The, the primary language spoken as it relates to the sport, the primary commands are all Korean, but that doesn't mean that Korea will always dominate. One of the exciting and interesting aspects of this from the standpoint of globalization is the fact that countries, countries that have not had a long history of uh, Olympic medaling had opportunities due to Taekwondo, which perhaps really speaks to the positive globalization of Taekwondo and the fact that it can be practiced at a high level all around the world. Croatia uh, got a gold medal and came in second, Serbia third. Italy, Thailand, Uzbekistan, Great Britain, Spain, Tunisia. We have countries all over the world, Cuba, France, Ivory Coast. The various medal winners were not concentrated in any one country. They were all over the world. That's exciting. That makes for true competition. That means that anyone has an opportunity anywhere in the world to potentially win a gold medal. To me, that's the elevation of the sport, not the denigration of the sport, not the dissolution of the sport, not the end of the sport. I think it makes an interesting story to talk about the toppling of the dominance of South Korea. But to me, I, I applaud Korea for doing what it has done to bring Taekwondo from being a Korean martial art to being the truly the art of the world. 
And to me, that solidifies its place in the Olympics, right? The Olympics is for not regional sports, but for the sports of the world. Uh, there is already talk that karate, and I feel badly for the Japanese people, and I feel badly for Tokyo because of the circumstances, but that karate was a demonstration sport this year and will be a demonstration sport only this year, will not uh, continue beyond this Olympics. I don't know whether that's true. There's arguments about whether there is or isn't place for another martial art or combat sport. I believe there is, and I don't believe it has anything to do with the dominance of Taekwondo. I do believe that the future for Taekwondo is that Taekwondo, like swimming, will have multiple uh, events. I do believe that Pumse and the state of Pumse in the world, global Pumse, will warrant Pumse being a second tier of Taekwondo com competition in the Olympics. Being at the Nationals recently, seeing the high level of competition, I believe that Pumse will be in the future. I know that the new president of the Kukyuan has talked with the president of the IOC, Thomas Bach. How far they have gotten with that, I don't know. And when and if we will see that as a demonstration or as a competition, I do not believe it will be to 2024, but perhaps 2028. As for the United States, it's no secret. Paige McPherson made history by appearing for the third time. She's a beloved figure in Team USA. She fell a little short. That sounds a little harsh. Uh, she came in just below bronze medal status, put in a great effort. Again, all of these athletes, I, I, I applaud them. You know, Pumse athletes have the opportunity to train. We've talked about that throughout the coronavirus pandemic. Sparring athletes really suffered. Um, they really had to take a break in their routine. And to be able to be there and compete at a high level is in and of itself a win. And Paige leaves as a historic Taekwondo women's figure. Do, will she compete for 2024? I don't know. I don't think so. However, she owes nothing to the sport. The sport owes nothing to her. She is a triumphant queen of the sport at her current level, even if she never competes again. As for Anna Zalotic, the other side of the coin, she historically uh, won at 18 years old her gold medal. She's the first female gold medalist since Taekwondo is a recognized sport. Of course, we know that there were women like Dana He who won in 1988, when Taekwondo was a demonstration sport, and we take nothing away from them. However, Anna Zalotic won her gold medal for the United States. So I think it was interesting. There was a lot to be learned from it. There is a discussion about the improvement of the PSS system. Of course, I, I believe perhaps that will um, there will be some changes that will move the PSS system. Um, in its existing form, existing scoring system to perhaps slightly higher thresholds of pressure, which will bring back a little bit more power uh, in order to be able to score, which may lead athletes to start training and, and taking a little bit away from the speed and a little bit more concentrated on rear leg and power kicks. But we shall see. Uh, we go into now the starting week of the Paralympics. Taekwondo is a Paralympic sport. Uh, we do have uh, athletes that are competing. 
for in the Paralympics and Para Taekwondo. Sadly, we announced this week uh, on our site that the first ever Afghani Paralympian female Taekwondo player who qualified for the Paralympics will not be attending. She will not be able to attend because of the strife and the civil unrest that has occurred in Afghanistan. Without being political, it just goes to show you the unbelievable and devastating impact that this crisis has had in every, touching every aspect of the world from Afghanistan. You look at that, the fact that we would have a female Afghani player in the Olympics, Paralympics is in and of itself a triumphant um, change of culture, a change of um, the look of Afghanistan. And yet, as a result of the strife, it will not occur. We will watch that closely. We'll give you any results or anything interesting. We also will be following numerous things. Uh, I, I made an announcement on our website. I wanted to do it here. We will be having Steve McNally, USAT um, president, uh, the, the gentleman who's been at the helm for uh, the U.S. gold medal win. We will be having him on our show in the coming weeks. We would ask you to send in any questions that you have in advance. We'd, we'll get those to Steve to answer. If you have anything that you want to send to Steve to answer, TKD Life Magazine at gmail.com. That's TKD Life Magazine at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you on the mat. I look forward to the Paralympics. And I look forward to a good year and a continued year of Taekwondo training. My name is Mark Sirianis for Taekwondo Life Magazine. This episode has been presented by Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.